0: Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show, and I've got Bazooka Joe with me again. Uh, so, Joe, yeah. we, we saw that event, Anthony Smith, Glover share. I want to pick your brain about this one because yeah. I have a lot of questions from uh, a standpoint of both the former fighter and former and, I guess, current coach like yourself. So in that situation the ref doesn't stop in the third and I think that that's kind of a ref's judgment call. He knows how tough Anthony Smith is. Anthony Smith might have spoken to him beforehand. Anthony Smith was still in the fight from a, you know, from a standpoint that he could defend himself, that he was trying to get takedowns, he was still moving around. He was able to switch positions at times afterwards. So You know, calling the fight off, he could have done that. It would have been fine. However, the amount of punishment that he took from that point in time, the third round up until the end, there might have been two, ten, seven rounds in there. Like, the third and fourth rounds were devastating rounds for Anthony Smith. When you look at a fight like that, what's your takeaway?
1: I mean, I'm always going to say it's a difficult one because, one, I know Mark Montoya personally. I've known him for many years through Glory. And I know how great of a coach he is. And I don't want people really to think... You know, from this one situation, that he's not the technician of a coach he is, because he's actually a phenomenal coach. Um, in my opinion, from watching, I get where everyone's saying it was too long. Like it, I heard the the injuries that Smith suffered from the broken orbitals, his eyes, the damage. Like he didn't really need that extra damage. So me watching as a fan, I thought he took too much uh, personally. Uh, but to attack Montoya and the team like that um knowing how much the example of Dominic Cruz after when someone steps in too early we have an issue but if we don't step in enough we also have an issue so I think the balance is really tough um as a coach now it's really really difficult for me to say if I would have stopped it I think you got to know your fighter you got to know the situation you got to be there I would like to say that I would have stopped the fight but uh I don't know personally to be honest with you I think it's uh an individual decision at that time, and I think the emotion, the connection to it, I think it's almost a disservice to say, you know, like, he did something completely wrong because I wasn't in a situation.
0: Yeah, I think the onus is obviously on the ref. It was a weird situation because Glover was talking to him in there and saying, like, listen, I'm sorry about this. It's part of the job. Uh, That's crazy.
1: That was insane. And Anthony Smith taking his teeth out during the fight, handing it to the referee, like, I mean, that's one tough guy. But I just think there's so many emotional things going through his life leading up to this fight. I mean, you got to think the corona, things are changing, his investments financially, his family, the health of his family, having fights, the home intrusion. Like there's so many mental factors for Anthony Smith. I think that maybe that took that little bit of fire and fight out of him.
0: Yeah, it's a lot to go through. And I know that his family has had a lot of post-traumatic stress because of that whole situation. And, you know, as a father, it's really difficult for you to focus entirely on fighting when you know that your family is going through something at the same time.
1: Yeah, I I can't even imagine what the family did. But then having to go fight after that and kind of stay calm, stay relaxed. So, I mean, there's definitely... I wouldn't say he looked his best uh, from what I saw. Uh, he looked like he, in the beginning, he was trying to get his big power shots. I think there was a lot of criticism saying he may have, you know, gassed himself out a little too early in those first few rounds trying to get the finish. But, uh, yeah, threw me off guard. But I can't believe uh, a Glover Teixeira in his 40s is doing what he did.
0: Yeah, I don't think he did gas himself out. I just think that when you took that, that shot that he took in the third basically broke his orbital bone and nose, I think. Like, it, that that basically shattered it. Like, it was the same kind of way when he went down. It reminded me of when Robbie Lawler hit Rory McDonald in the fifth round. Like, he just went down, like, basically, like, lost all function of his... <laughs> and yeah. Everything in his face, basically. His eyes started watering. Uh You mentioned teeth were coming out. Broken nose. Like, that kind of a situation. I don't know... If you're the ref, and Jason Herzog's a great ref, and I'm not trying to pick on him, but like, and, and you mentioned the same thing with Cruz. Sometimes you can be, jump in too soon and people get mad, or sometimes you don't jump in at the, the time that other people would jump in and they get mad. Like, there's no winning if you're a referee. It's a really difficult job, and that's why I don't, uh, blame Keith Peterson for jumping in on the Cruz stoppage, because that same thing could have happened to Dominic Cruz if he would have just let him go, because Dominic Cruz isn't going out.
1: Yeah, I just think the biggest determining factor when to have stopped the fight it was definitely between the round. If you watched Smith's body language, he wasn't facing out. He kind of turned over, didn't want to be seen by the camera. Put his head down, wasn't making sense. Um, his eyes weren't there. So I think going into that that final round was when the the plug should have been pulled.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And if you watched the very beginning of that round, he'd started turtling. On his feet immediately, like basically, his, he was like no more, like it was like a no mas situation. And I, I, but I understand where Mark Montoya is coming from. And the same thing happened when he was coaching Thomas Gifford against Mike Davis a while back. Like Gifford was taking a total beating, and everybody was on, was all over Montoya for not stopping that fight. But like you said, you've got to kind of know where your fighter's mentality is. Like, how is your fighter going to react to you stopping it?
1: Yeah, his nickname, the Lionheart, obviously based on his ability to kind of, you know, push through things, take damage, keep coming forward, you know, so he's got that nickname. And I think if you look at the team Montoya has, I mean, from, you know, Kamozis, the Dustin Jacobi's, the, the Maurice Green's there are a lot of good strikers who, you know, are doing well in MMA. So I think he knows his fighters best to be in that situation. It sucks. And I, I'll probably have to be there one day um but i mean it's it's really difficult like even in in my title fight like in my last few rounds i took some big shots and uh my corner at one point was probably thinking to throw the towel in and i thank god they didn't you know like someone could have in in a lot of the different fights but uh i was happy my corner wouldn't because at one point i was stumbling around i wasn't there after i took that knee in that fight and I'm happy they didn't, but if they would have thrown that talent, my life would have been completely different. It would have been a totally different situation. So I think it's individual. You have to know your fighter, and I hope you know Montoya's coaching credentials don't get, uh, you know, diminished because of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that Montoya is, is a great, a great coach, great up and coming coach in the sport. Um, he has a lot of guys that have done really, really well. So I guess we'll, we'll have to see what happens with Anthony Smith. He, he could be out another year now.
1: Yeah, I mean, with an, an orbital break, that you got to think your job is to get punched in the face, and when you have to have a surgery here now, where you're forever. Every time you take even a little jab, there's going to be a little bit of nervousness, the tension. Like it's scary. Like a lot of guys who break their shin, for example, you you never return the same. You know, like I was surprised how Anderson Silva did it, but guys like Tyrone Spong haven't even recovered from it, haven't gone back to kickboxing at all. So those little injuries, those breaks could you know, really, you know, affect someone's future.
0: Yeah, he's also coming off of hand injuries. That's another thing that you're obviously a little bit hesitant to throw those hands uh, because of the, that injury as well. And that's what he was rehabbing from, right? So, yeah, I feel bad for Anthony Smith because uh, I think he's a great fighter. I think that he's definitely a top guy at at light heavyweight. But Glover, man, age 40, he, he was just... He was on fire, man. I think that was the best I've ever seen Glover Teixeira uh, against the guy the caliber of an Anthony Smith. Like that—that's probably the best caliber of opponent he's fought outside of John Jones.
1: Oh, and just the way he stayed calm, like in the beginning, he he took some bigger shots too. And I mean, just once he gets on top of you, and he just has like I call it the ultimate man strength. You know, you can have someone who's big, muster, strong, but. Glover Teixeira has man strength like he's built like a big old Italian construction man, you know, those big bones, big body, like just a heavy durable man and that's a that's a scary guy to go against. So, um I was completely wrong in picking that fight. I thought Anthony Smith was going to get a finish nice and early. Uh I was wrong. So, what do you think's next for Teixeira then?
0: Well, I would think that it would be either Jan Blachowicz or Dominic Reyes, depending on what direction they want to go in in that division. Um, I'm I'm trying to think if there's anybody that's obvious that I'm not thinking about in that division that would would be in that mix, but uh, those are the kind of names that I think are of interest. And I think if Alexander Gustafsson wants to come back, I know they've already fought before, but that would be an interesting comeback fight to see where Gustafsson's at.
1: Would you put... um... Is he ready for a John Jones at this point?
0: You think, Who, Glover? or is that yeah? Well, he's fought John Jones before and lost to him, and he's only gotten older since then. So I, I don't know. I wouldn't like to see Glover. I, I like seeing Glover in more of a gatekeeper role at this stage in time against the guys like Anthony Smith, against the Dominic Reyes, against I know Jan Bojovic is a bit older, but in those kind of roles, I think that that's where Glover should be right now in his career. I don't know if a title shot for Glover is going to really appeal to anybody.
1: But I wouldn't say it appeals to people, but um, you would think that's his motivation still. Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Glover's not going to be like, no, I'd just like to be a gatekeeper. (laughs) I'm sure he wants to make it that. Well, there's some guys, you know,
1: like someone like uh, Donald Cerrone now, like he's never going to fight a title. And the Pettis's of the world, you know, they're content fighting fun fights, right? I I don't think Pettis or Cerrone thinks they're going to get a title shot again. They just want good, entertaining fights and to continue to do the sport they love.
0: So, who knows? Cerrone showed interest in a title fight for like three months in his entire career. There was, he was like, yeah, maybe I will fight for the title one day. But that, that yeah. was about it. It seems like the title has never been a real huge inspiration for him. Yeah,
1: But, I mean, there's some people, uh, I think at at, at that age... I mean, you should just be blessed that you're still able to fight, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, that's a a world title in its own. There's very few to be able to hit their 40s and still put on big performances and and make paydays in fighting that he's doing. So, that's a
0: world title to me. Well, look at Arlovsky. Arlovsky's 20-year anniversary is coming up later this year, and he he got a win this week. (laughs) It's pretty crazy.
1: I couldn't believe it, man. I can't believe the way he's moving, the way he stays calm still. Um I don't know how he's still doing it. It's, it's crazy to me to see him still do it. And he looked great. His body shape was in, he's in great physique, you know, stuck to a game plan, which was really nice. Um, I was a little concerned about how his chin was, but he took some shots and just shook him off. No problem. So after that many years of damage, his still his chin can still handle it.
0: Yeah, Overeem's in the same boat. He's fighting this uh, Saturday night in the main event. But before we get to that, I want to ask you about Drew Dober versus uh, Alexander Hernandez because that was an awesome fight. And Drew Dober, the, the training sessions with Gaethje must really be paying dividends for him. He, he only had two KOs in the first 12 fights of his career, and now he has three KOs in a row. So he's having a real career renaissance.
1: And he's beating guys who are supposed to be the next up-and-coming things, right? When he beat Hernandez now, before he beat the Nascrat, which I mean, it's these, uh,
0: hasprat, is it? Hack Sorry, for I us. Nasrat Hack for hack us. It's a, it's a tongue twister.
1: It's a tough one, but he, uh, he was supposed to be the next biggest thing, right? So, um, I like Dober. I think he's got a nice look to him. He's got this jaw that looks, you know, indestructible, but he's got a left hand that's nasty. Like, he throws that thing mean and he's just trying to take your head off. I think he's entertaining. He's got the look. I think. We got something, you know, fun out of him.
0: He's like you and Luke Rockhold, the model good looks, but, but as a fighter. That's what it
1: is. All right. I like that you threw me in there. Good.
0: He <laughs> <You'll take, laughs> doesn't,
1: doesn't have my low kicks, but all right. Yeah, He's got but, a good left But, but few do.
0: Few do have your low kicks in MMA. In fact, I argue few. That, that maybe not nobody, except for maybe one guy this weekend <laughs> no. who's competing. You know what I'm talking about? Let me hear it. Maybe hear it. It's in Barbosa. 145 okay. pounds this weekend. You'll take that? You'll yeah, take the Barbosa? He's got a good left kick. I wouldn't say
1: (laughs) as good low kicks as I do. My timing is just different level. He's got a hard low kick, a hard left kick, hard kick. I wouldn't say good ones, but they're not, I wouldn't say they're not phenomenal.
0: Who's got the best in MMA? Who's the best low kicker in MMA? The best low
1: kicker in MMA. That's a tough one. I honestly, after the last performance, I'm going the way he set them up, it was perfect. I like Cejudo's low kicks in that last fight.
0: Oh, wow. Cejudo, I thought they were set up
1: with fans. (laughs) Gates are okay. He throws them in one These timing. More like a I'm a combo. timing guy. Yeah. Like a hard finish. But like I like guys who can set them up, play with them a little bit more. Um, but one guy I want to give a shout-out to, I thought, who did really good in this last event was uh, Brian Boom, killer.
0: Oh, yeah. I
1: thought he did amazing. Ooh, the way he was moving, the way his ability to switch stances from uh, a technical standpoint – um, I thought he was one of my favorites on the card. Like from his striking, his able to kick, fight as well as box, switch stances. You know, he he had a very good game plan, very adaptable. I, I like the guy, man. Very experienced as well. Like I really, really was impressed by him this weekend.
0: People sleep on oh, sorry not
1: this weekend Wednesday.
0: Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. I know, It was just two days yeah, ago. Yeah, not
1: this weekend. Yeah,
0: jeez. This weekend we've got Walt Harris against uh, and I just watched the Sports Center piece on Walt Harris. That's a tearjerker. That's a tough one to watch. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Is it the ESPN one? Yeah, you should. You should really watch it. It's really well done. Yeah,
1: it's uh, finding what's his daughter's name? I think it was called. Was that I the think one? It's fighting for Anaya, I think it's called. A fighting for Anaya. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, good. I know that's. And the other, um, I I don't remember the story because I was young at that time. But Vitor Belfort had a very similar yeah. situation years back, kidnapped. right? His
0: sister was kidnapped. I think and held at ransom and killed. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, because
1: he had a sh- one of because he used to be my favorite fighter growing up, and uh, he had a shirt of his sister on his uh, after his fight or something, and it always stuck in my head.
0: Yeah, so we'll have to see uh, how Walt Harris um, does this weekend. I mean, I think a lot a lot of the MMA community are rooting for him, but uh, I- I'm not I'm not sur- um, I'm not certain. Alistair Overeem should be the underdog in that fight, in my opinion, just from an X's and O's standpoint.
1: I don't know enough about Walt recently like I haven't really he's not one of those names that you've heard consistently at the top and I think he's just moved up so quickly that I haven't had a chance to kind of see him grow as a main event fighter and someone of that caliber where we've seen Overeem do it all the time so to me it's more of let me see what Walt Harris is about Uh, let's see if he can hang with the bigger boys take the the bigger fights because he's already talking on some of his interviews. They're like, it's inevitable. Uh, I'm going to get Francis Nganu probably soon. So he's thinking big. He's got the good mindset. Um, hopefully what's happened uh, with his daughter you know, kept him mentally and physically strong.
0: It seems like Overeem is like the uh, the Vega of the division. Like you, you beat him and then you've got to go to Saget, which is like Nganu And then M. Bison <laughs> is like Stipe Miacic. It seems like that's like the gatekeeper fight is Alistair. Once you beat Alistair, then you get to that next tier. Actually, I, sh- I shouldn't I should say Alistair. Alistair is like the Balrog, and you've got Curtis Blades is like the Vega. I, I, I was just going to say,
1: Curtis Blades, I was <laughs> like, that's the guy. I think that's the toughest of the division. I'm, I'm riding the Aaron Bronstetter train. I mean, I think he's one of the, Curtis Blades is going to be one of the scariest guys in the division.
0: Yeah, I-, I almost forgot about, Curtis is training with Overeem. Overeem's been training uh, in Denver with uh, with Blades basically since Blades beat him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Kurt, like you, you called it out a while ago. I didn't believe you, but I'm
0: riding it now. He's good. He can
1: wrestle. He's striking's improving well. I think he's going to give a lot of people problems. But I still stay it here. Francis Ngannou will be your champion very soon.
0: And if he is, Blades needs to really work hard to get that title shot because he's lost twice to Nagano, So, you yeah. know. But I think Blades is like, if you take Cormier out of the mix because I think he's only going to fight one more time. Like I think that the top tier is Ngannou, Blades, and Stipe. I still would put Blades in that top tier, even though he's lost twice to Francis.
1: And again, if you look at, I don't. I think Francis destroys Stepe in a rematch. Do you? I think personally, yeah, I do. Well,
0: I think I it comes yeah, down I, to whether his wrestling has improved enough. I, you know, I think that against guys that aren't like big wrestling threats, and I mean Stepe's striking is great, but I, I mean, I think I, I think you're right. I think he'd be the favorite in that fight.
1: Yeah, I just think that power, his ability to control it now, his he can see openings, time things a little bit better. He's understanding pace, conditioning, proper nutrition. Um, he's just big, natural, strong. I think, I think he's your champion. I think he's going to be very difficult to beat.
0: Yeah, it looks like Blades and Volkov is going to be rescheduled as well. Well, it's going to be scheduled June 20th, but they're not sure if it's going to be in Saskatoon or not. Most likely not. Most likely probably in Las Vegas.
1: And they changed the uh, next week's UFC as well, right?
0: Yeah, so to May 23rd May is, yeah, moving to May 30th, which is great because my, my wife's birthday is May 23rd and then her and I can like spend some time together instead of uh, me, me spending time with Gilbert Burns and Tyron Woodley. <laughs> you guys can't watch fights together? You plan a date around the TV? It doesn't work? I don't think my wife has ever watched a full round of a fight. Really? Yeah.
1: Have you ever asked her to try to be like, hey, let me kind of introduce you to what I do
0: or she's not? No, no not really. Doesn't like her? I'm not really. I don't need to watch fights with her.
1: Nah. Uh, what about now? Your kids getting older. Would you watch fights with your your kids?
0: No, I wouldn't. My my oldest is nine years old. I don't want to get him there just yet. But it's weird. Like the the weird thing about it is, like the fights are on ESPN. They're on SportsCenter. Center. If you were watching TSN, like watching Sports Center in the morning, you're still gonna see UFC highlights. You're gonna see UFC highlights in commercials. You're gonna see and sports in general. Like you wouldn't say, oh, I wouldn't want my nine year old to watch SportsCenter. Center. Right, but if you're watching Sports Center, you're still going to see combat sports. So I don't know. I'm not super. He he doesn't show much of an interest in it, really. He like teases me about it sometimes and talks about you know UFC and fighting and blah blah blah. But he doesn't. He, it doesn't seem like something that he's super interested in watching.
1: But say he was young and you came and he was watching it, would you be like, oh, we got to change the channel, or is it like forbidden, or because a lot of people, it is. It's it's a forbidden at homes that. I don't know. It's 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 different. I, I'm always curious because I'm going to be the opposite. I'm going to kind of want to show my child the sport and what it's about, give them the education about it, because it's obviously a huge part of my life. So it's, I'm always curious to see because I have parent, uh I have friends who are parents who are like, my kid's not allowed to watch it. I was like, what?
0: Yeah, I, I think so, I'm in mean, that I, boat, though. Uh, I think I was I'm was in like, that boat. I'm, I'm kind
1: of torn. Like, I, I, I can see where people think it's bad, but, like, is it worse than football? Is it worse than the other things or the violence they have on their cartoons? So it's interesting to hear parents' thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I mean, I know my wife would not sign off on it, for starters. So maybe it's just a non-starter in that regard. But I don't know. I, he hasn't shown, like, a whole lot of interest in watching it either. So it's kind of my thing. You know, it's your dad is never cool. Your dad's always doing lame stuff, so it's kind well, of my thing.
1: Gonna, when he starts seeing dad on
0: TV. He's in
1: The UFC is the coolest thing at school, and look, there's, uh, you know, Mr. they there talking to Dana White, and look, he's talking to John Jones, and you're gonna be for sure. It's gonna be something that he's gonna. I do. See I do worry about them. the
0: one thing I worry about in that regard is if if I'm watching it with like, like if one of his friends watches it, who's like nine or ten and they're like, oh, I saw your dad on TV. Do you watch the UFC? And he's like, no, I'm not allowed. Then like, they might pick on him. But I, I don't know. I shouldn't think that far ahead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting conversation.
0: It definitely is. Yeah, I'm, I haven't had the talk with my wife yet about whether we should, uh, we, should we should, go down that, uh, that road. But one day.
1: Yeah. But it's like <laughs> video games too, right? All, those, all the video games these days are violent, killing, dooms, yeah, but, Call of but Duty. He's, he's
0: not allowed to play Fortnite, right? Like, it's not like we're, there's a yeah. double standard here.
1: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. But now it doesn't become where if you don't um, show them, you know, that little bit of TV violence, is it something they do on their own anyways? Eventually, right? So, uh,
0: I don't know. Maybe who knows? Who knows? I think that we've, yeah. we we have limitations on certain things. But he's he we watched Brooklyn Nine Nine with him, and it's got like very vulgar humor. He loved Brooklyn. I do like that show too. Uh, he I love Brooklyn it Man-Nine. too. He's like clenching his like stomach. He's on the floor laughing. But the the weird thing about ratings in general, the rating systems, and the way that these things have worked is like they've always put like sexual comedy and like nudity above violence in terms of things that like when when you're rating things like yes. you'll have a, a higher rating for things that are just about like um comedic adult comedic situations and like nudity is above violence in terms of how they rank things which i think is weird
1: yeah it is very weird
0: I mean, like there are movies, movies with like machine guns, getting guys like people getting obliterated by machine guns have the same rating as like a movie that has like some vulgar humor. A little bit of yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? One day when you're a dad, Joe, we'll uh, we'll we'll have that conversation. We'll talk. We'll yeah, discuss. We'll that bridge. Yeah.
1: I'll be like 55. I <laughs> My my question is always, do you want your kid to fight? And that's the one I always get uh, in every conversation. Well, I would say – Let's go down that road uh, then. I don't care. You don't care. But I yeah. don't care. To me, it's, it's whatever would make them happy, I would
0: think. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in that same boat.
1: I mean, they see, I, I think it's going to be inevitable for my kids to see me at a gym I'll be coaching, going to UFCs, giving attention to all of these other fighters that they're going to want to crave some of that attention. Like, oh, dad's teaching at the gym tonight and he sees people being around. I just think anyone whose father ends up being, you know, a gym owner, part of the gym, they just naturally go into it. So I want all of my kids to have martial arts in their life. If it was up to me, though, I wouldn't love for them to fight. But I do want martial arts to be in their lives somehow.
0: Well, I know you've got it. Which is fair. I know you've got to get going on the podcast. We've got some good interviews coming up. Uh, with uh, We've got Walt Harris, uh, Alistair nice. Overeem, Angela Hill. So why don't we get to those? And we'll chat more next week, Joe. Uh, best uh, best wishes on everything. I know you're doing some uh, videos in the gym today. So I look forward yep. to uh, sharing what, those. What are the videos about?
1: Get on YouTube. Uh, the last one, I actually did a UFC one. I talked about how Cater, Sohudo and... Um, Gechi got their finishes. So I kind of break it down from a technical standpoint, and it was kind of cool, did well. Um, today's video, I'm giving uh, more details on different ways to throw a left switch kick, because there's different variations. And so you're gonna learn the variations today.
0: Well, when this whole thing started, I said to myself, I'm gonna watch all of Joe's videos, I'm gonna start training more. I just didn't, I didn't at all, I had no time. Uh-huh. I was gonna watch all these you're TV doing? shows. Oh, you think you're gonna have all this time? Nope. <laughs> no, definitely not. No mas. Uh, all right, Almost. all right, Joe. We're throwing in the towel. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll let you get to your video, and uh, we'll chat next week. Thanks, man.
1: Awesome. Thanks, both.
0: I'm now joined by the Demolition Man, Alistair Overeem, headlining UFC Fight Night this Saturday night against Walt Harris. Alister, how you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm good. Uh, considering the circumstances, uh, all good, campus good. Just wrapping up here in Denver, getting ready to head out to Jacksonville on Tuesday.
0: Who's going to be cornering you for this event? Is it uh, Elliot Marshall, Cody Donovan? Is it that whole uh, gang from uh, Elevation Top Team?
2: it's going to be Cody. It's going to be David. It's going to be Christian. And it's going to be Vinny Lopez.
0: Okay, excellent. That's a great team. And uh, Elevation Top Team has been doing extremely well as of late. Uh, so, as you mentioned, given the circumstances, uh, things are good. How has your training had to change in this, uh, I guess, interesting time? Well, to
2: specified April 11th. So that got kind of um, pulled up into a little longer. Uh, I just remained in camp, basically. And, um, yeah, of course, you know, the, the gym practices uh, were moved to smaller locations, uh, smaller groups. And I, I don't know, the focus of high man, there was not much else to do. This training was basically the outer outing of the day.
0: You mentioned in a previous uh, article that you believe you might have coronavirus at some point in time. Are you are you going? To, I guess you're going to get the antibody test when you get there. Are, will you find out then if you did have it?
2: Yeah, I'm going to ask when I'm going to get the results. Um, so that'll be uh, interesting, right?
0: When did you think that that happened?
2: Uh, in January, I was in Thailand. Five week holiday, and Thailand was literally flooded with Chinese. Um, and uh, people in my crew had all the symptoms Shortness of breath uh, and, and those people usually do not get sick And even if they do, they will not complain about it But now that we're kind of um, Yeah, there's that, that something was going on And I had um, I had also a high temperature A couple of days and, and, and a little bit of a cough But very, very mild symptoms
0: yeah, it's interesting because they say that a lot of people are just asymptomatic, and uh, while there, of course, is a concern of the, the uh, virus spreading, uh, a lot of the fighters probably aren't too concerned about getting it because you guys are at optimal health. Correct. So, until- yeah,
2: when you look at the numbers, when you look at the numbers, people that have immune system disorders, or diseases, they are at risk. But if you're healthy and you're young, and you know all the fighters are super healthy, right, because they're all on diet, they're all training, they're all exercising, sport is healthy. Um, Yeah, so I don't think fighters should be too worried unless you have immune system disorder. But even immune system disorder, you can fix that with uh, with, the diet and with the exercise.
0: You have a very unique challenge ahead of you, not just because of the coronavirus, but because of your opponent, Walt Harris, who... uh Unfortunately lost his daughter. Uh, she was abducted and, and murdered and strangely enough her body was found in Jacksonville Which is where this fight is taking place, which is uh, uh Adding a, a whole new wrinkle to things uh, especially since the location is basically brand new and was recently determined uh, how, how do you mentally prepare for something like that knowing what he's going to be facing uh, when he takes you on this weekend?
2: Well, I just really uh, hold on to the sport aspect uh, that we have right it's the sport that we do um yeah, it is definitely a personal tragedy that, that Walt has uh, gone through. You know, um, it, it's terrible. I cannot imagine how that would feel. Uh, but you know, besides the sports event that we're going to do, I have zero bad vibes of him. And um, you know, I, I you know, I, he's going to be my friend. I already know. So we're just going to get this healthy wave We're going to make it the best. Of it. Um, we have to continue, right? We we have to keep on going with doing what we're doing, and. Uh, yeah, that's it. Just going to make it a great sport event, and then move on from there.
0: I feel like you're a, a good opponent for him in the sense that you're, you're so worldly. You've fought all over the world. You've fought for such a long time. You've pretty much seen it all, that you will be able to approach this, like you said, as a sport, without, without carrying that same kind of emotional baggage. And I think that he looks at you that way as well, as, as an opponent that is very respectful to the martial arts and, uh, and somebody uh, that, that will take this seriously from a sporting standpoint.
2: Yeah, of course, it's so just a sport thing, it's a, it's a, it's a work uh, thing, and uh, we're just going to make it a great sport event, a great event for all the fans all over the world.
0: Curtis Blades uh, is, is fighting, uh, I believe, sometime soon, if I'm not mistaken. Um, how, what's it like training with Curtis Blades? I mean, he's he's just such a, a a tough individual who brings brings so many different looks to you in training.
2: Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's great to train with. always has been nice, always has been very humble. Um, he pushes me to become a better fighter. That's exactly the reason why I joined the team in the first place. I, I didn't really know too much about the team. After it fought, uh, I came in to try it out. And after, uh, what, I said, two, three days, uh, I, I, I kind of felt like, hey, this feels good. And, uh, yeah, I could just has been great. He um, He's very focused, very dedicated. Uh, he's a great athlete. Like I said, uh, he pushed me to become better. Uh, I think I'm pushing him to become better, right? Because we have kind of um, conflicting fight styles. But um, I don't know. I, I think it's been a win-win situation, and um, the coaches would agree on that. And um, it, it, I think it's very good. Now, for me, it's difficult to find who can, who can who can push me. And uh, when I look at all my great accomplishments, all my great fights, all my great uh, moments... It was always because, uh, you know, of course you need good coaches, but you also need good teammates. Good teammates push you to be better. So that is, uh, I would say, crucial. It's been a crucial part of me joining a team innovation and uh, training Curtis place.
0: And finally, this past weekend, uh, you're familiar with how good of a kickboxer Jair Rosenstrike is. You've been in there with both Rosenstrike and Nagandu. Were you surprised at how Saturday Night's fight went?
2: Well, um, I, if I would. Were- Put money on it. I would have put it on the, on the government because I have fought both. Um, you know, gun is looking really strong right now. You know, still a, a lot of room uh, for improvement. I see, she's getting better and better. And uh, yeah, I was just like, uh, yeah, we can. You know, we can all agree he got lucky with uh, with uh, with that with the reps basically. It was not even his fight style because he he it was he landed one good punch. But for me, the fight was not over. It was the ref that jumped in and stopped the fight, which was, uh, yeah, I think the whole world will agree on uh, was uh, was uh, was uh, not the right thing
0: to do. How much does something like that haunt you? Like, how much how does that keep you up at night, or do you just move forward?
2: Well, you know, I've been in the game a long time to realize sometimes you're going to have uh, unluck. Um, hopefully, I'm going to have um, I'm going to have um, time to set it right, right? I think I think it could be a potential next fight to, to, to undo that wrong. But we'll see what happens. First, they'll focus on Walt, and then we'll go from there.
0: All right, Alistair, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Best of luck against Walt Harris on Saturday.
2: Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
0: I'm pleased to be joined now by Walt Harris, who's in the main event against Alistair overeem Uh Walt, how have things changed for you during this uh period of quarantine during uh COVID nineteen? Uh, how how did that impact your training?
3: Um, it didn't affect you too much. Um I, you know, stay try to stay as consistent as possible. Um the only thing that I really had to overcome was different times and, you know, different places that we would actually train. Um, because we moved our gym. Uh we got a new facility. So um, that was pretty much the only hiccup um, that I had. And then there was a few times where, you know, like I said like, um, I said before, the fight got canceled. Um, so we didn't know whether we need to keep training as hard. Um, but we took a couple days and we got right back to it. And we finally got the fight we've been looking for.
0: You're entering this fight with a bit of a heavy heart. Your daughter Anaya uh, had been abducted and, and subsequently murdered. Um, how is your family doing, first and foremost?
3: Um, we're doing good. I mean, uh, as good as we can be as far as, you know, barring the circumstances, but overall we're, we're, we're together and we're pretty, we're pulling each other through this. Um, we've got a great support system here in the state of Alabama and in, in our community of Homewood. Um, the people have been unbelievable, man. I mean, the people have been just every step of the way they've been here for us. So it's helped us a lot. Um, we have our tough days, you know, of course we miss her. Um, but, you know, we're, we're making, we're doing we're doing as well as we can.
0: I spoke to your teammate Eric Anders a while back, and uh, I asked him about, you know, what training with you has been like ever since uh, what happened. He said that at first it was very somber, but after a day or two, it became, you know, you guys were ribbing each other as usual. It became kind of a, a normal situation. Was it nice to have that kind of feeling of normalcy during a time where I'm sure you wanted to take your mind off of things for a little bit?
3: Yeah, man, it was a blessing. Um, my team is just, uh, they're amazing, so... Um, they've been there with me um, since day one. Um, they just—they just picked me up.
0: Spoke to uh, Alistair Overeem uh, earlier today, and uh, he had mentioned that um, he, he really he, he um, feels obviously bad about what what happened with you, but he, he always he wants to approach this like a sport. He knows that he has to kind of take emotion out of it. Is that why you think that Alistair Overeem might be a good opponent for you? Yeah, I mean, I think
3: that you know I respect him, and um, I'm thankful to him for taking the fight. Um, you know, I'm the same. I'm, I'm feeling the same way about it. You know, um, on his end, I respect him. As- legend and a person who's uh done a lot you know for my weight division especially in this in this sport but my objective is to win fights and um you know i'm, I'm not gonna you know think or use you know what i'm going through as a, as a reason you know it's a fight you know we got a job to do i signed the dotted line um i, I work for the ufc so i'm going in there to put on a fight and, and, and put on a show for my fans so that's what it is
0: what kind of a discussion did you have to have with your wife in terms of wanting to to go back and and start fighting again? Was was there any sort of talk that had to happen?
3: Yeah, there was a small talk, but it was from her. Um, you know, with, that's why I love her cuz she knows me and um she understands me and she came to me one day and she said, "Babe, I think you need to get back in the gym. I think it would be good for you um to kind of get your mind um, you know, occupied and thinking about some other things." And uh, maybe even if you've got a fight and something to look forward to, it pulled you out of where you are. And that's what I did. I called my manager and I just told him, Hey, man, tell the UFC March or April. And that's how everything started to materialize. And I just started working my ass off, um, going to the gym every day and training. I went out to Vegas to the PI and, uh, to Extreme Couture, worked a little bit with, uh, with, uh, Nganu and, and, you know, those guys out there just to kind of get my mind, uh, you know, back-focused, and it helped. It, it definitely helped me to uh, get out of the dark place I was in.
0: What was it like to see the MMA community rally around you? I know Dana White had put up uh, some additional money uh, in terms of reward in case there was any sort of information. How did that make you feel when you saw so many people in the MMA community try to chip in and, and help spread the word?
3: Man, it was overwhelming. Um, Dana himself was wow. Like, that dude, I mean, I'll run through a brick wall for him um he, he what he's done for my family uh I can't even it, I'm about to cry I'm about thinking about it right now but um I mean the whole community MMA community uh everybody around the world man I'm so grateful for him because uh even the it, smallest things it's just you know a comment on my social media like those things would help me throughout the day it would give me motivation to get out of bed and to go back to the gym to to keep plugging away because when you see people, you know, really care and, and and do go above and beyond to make sure that you're all right, you want to repay them the best way that you know how. And I know my fighting people enjoy it, so I want to get back in there and, and, and that's the way I say thank you. You know what I mean? Go in there and, and put on the show, fight my heart out, and, uh, you know, let the cheers follow with that makes.
0: What good has come out of this? Obviously, it's a tragedy, and, and there's a lot of sadness that, that happens throughout this. But have you have you gained any sort of additional wisdom in the situation that you probably wouldn't have had you know had you not gone through such a terrible uh, situation?
3: Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm still going through it. It's not. It hadn't reached a conclusion to um, yet. So I, I don't know. Um, I just think that you know it's taught me to be more aware. Uh, It's helped me become a better father, for sure, um, as far as communicating with my children and understanding and knowing exactly what, helping them understand exactly what they need to be doing and how they see things. Um, But other than that, I can't really put my finger on anything at this moment, like I said, because we haven't gotten foreclosure. um, There hasn't been a trial or anything like that yet, so I'm still kind of processing a lot of different things.
0: What is the timetable on that?
3: Um, well with the pandemic everything really got kind of thrown off. Um there's there was supposed to be I think another hearing or another situation where they bring it back up to court I think in December. Um but now that the pandemic's happened, I'm still we're still kinda of up in the air on that. Um we're we're keeping in contact with the district attorney of course. Um but as far as a timetable, I really couldn't tell you right now.
0: How has the global pandemic and, and the coronavirus and, of course, all, all of the things that come with it helped um, build more solidarity in your family? I'm guessing you're around them probably more often than you than you would have been uh, had this uh, not happened.
3: Yeah, we've, we, man, we, we've always been a close family. But, I mean, when you're locked up 24 hours in a day with each other, you just, you just find ways to, to grow and learn more about your kids, your wife. And, and we do more things together as a family. We've. We've incorporated different um, you know, mechanisms to make sure that we're keeping our unity and our sanity, you know, killing each other up. You know, my wife has a bad day, I got I'm there for her. You know, I have a bad day, she's there for me. My son, you know, he's been dealing with a lot of stuff. My youngest son, he uh he was sick for a long time and you know, it's just been a lot of different things. Everybody's got their different things and on top of that we're dealing with the loss of our daughter um my younger kids are dealing with the loss of their their sister my oldest son the same so um you know we're just trying to make sure we're there for each other whether it be through call um or face to face you know so.
0: well well, thank you so much for your time today and your honesty and i really hope that justice is served uh for anaya and uh, and for you and your family i appreciate your time
3: thank you thank you brother good to talk to you always
0: Pleased to be joined now by Angela Hill, who will be facing Claudia Gadella in the co event this Saturday, UFC Fight Night, Harris versus Overeem in Jacksonville, Florida. How are you, Angela?
4: Hey, I'm good. I'm good. How
0: are you? I'm doing great. Well, first I want to ask you about Dominic Cruz. He's your teammate. Uh, he had an opportunity mm-hmm. to uh, win the Bantamweight Championship this past weekend, fell short. Uh, what did you think of, A, his performance, and B, the stoppage?
4: Um, I I think... uh. I think uh, Dominic, you know, he was doing well. I think, uh, you know, he, he wasn't really implementing his game plan right away, but he was definitely still in the fight, and it sucks because a lot of times when you have, like, a little bit of a layoff, it takes, like, one or two rounds to just get comfortable in there, and he did get caught with that knee, but um, I think the debate is that so many people know the technique of getting back to your feet when you do get caught on the ground. So he was on all fours. He was starting to get up. He had his back to the fence and was working his way up. But from a different angle, I think uh, from what the ref saw was that he was getting smashed up against the fence and punched in the face. So it sucks because like, I understand why the ref stopped it, but uh, just cause it was a title fight, just because there were, there were just a few seconds left in the round and he was working to his feet, I felt like it was an early stoppage. So it's kind of, uh, it's kind of heartbreaking because, you know, I was able to, uh, just kind of train side by side to him, like getting ready for the fight. And I could see how much he put into preparation and everything. And it's always heartbreaking when it ends, especially when a fight ends in controversy. Um, you would want it to be like a definite win or a definite loss if you do loss after putting so much effort into something.
0: Yeah, and uh, also the inability to get it back if Henry Cejudo's retirement holds true. Uh, what did you think of Henry deciding <laughs> to retire? That that came out of nowhere.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's kind of uh, hip to the game. Like, I think everyone's assumes that he was trying to get a better contract out of it um but i'll be impressed if he actually does retire like uh he's he's still young he still has a lot of money to make in the sport so if he does retire uh i'll be pretty surprised so yeah that's a that's a yeah that
0: was a random
4: (laughs) kind of a random thing to do
0: I honestly think it will hold true. I mean, when you look at all that he's done in this sport as well as in amateur wrestling and how long he's been in the game (laughs) for when you combine both. I mean, it's been like 20 years if you think of when he started in in terms of amateur wrestling. Uh, You're very new to this game. Can you imagine doing this for 20 years? It seems like a long time uh, to fight at the highest level.
4: Uh, yeah, but when you're a kid doing it, I, I feel like those years don't count as much, you know? <laughs> like, uh, as an adult, it's a lot harder for me to learn things. So, um, I still feel pretty new to the sport. And I think a lot of people who are born, born or just grew up like with high school wrestling and stuff. Uh, yeah, I could see somebody getting burnt out on it, but MMA is such a different sport. Uh, it's just like, the you know, Justin Gaethje, he had the whole wrestling background, but his whole style doesn't reflect it because he just enjoys the sport of MMA so much and doesn't even want to mess with wrestling in there. So um so yeah, I think MMA uh, allows itself to be a totally different thing. And uh and yeah, that's why I would be so surprised if Henry Sejudo did quit right now, just because he's he has two belts. Every fight is gonna make him a lot of money um yeah, I just think it would be a bad business decision, especially since it seems like he has a lot of people's number right now, you know he has a good formula that's getting him wins consistently, so it would be a shame to stop uh when you're to stop when you're on top like that.
0: It seems like you're building a reputation for yourself as being the female cowboy or a cowgirl, if you would like to use the proper English language. Uh, (laughs) What's that been like for you? Why why do you like taking these short notes? Yeah, you like that? You can can have it. Yeah, I'm I don't like that one. (laughs) It seems like you're enjoying getting getting the... Sorry, it seems like you're really enjoying getting the in-cage experience. I mean, that's one thing that you can't emulate is is the in-cage experience. Is that why you like taking all these short notice Mm -hmm. fights? Is it because it's helping your growth?
4: Yeah, for sure. Like you said, I just started, um, relatively just started. Uh, most of the girls that I'm um, fighting have been doing at least doing some kind of martial arts since they were teenagers, and I picked up Muay Thai when I was um, when I was 24. So everything is still. I'm still figuring things out uh, every day. Like every day is new. I'm still a student of the sport, and uh, and being able to get into the cage. Expedites my learning curve. So um, so you can learn, learn, learn something, but every time you get into, every time you have, like, an official fight, that's your actual test. Um, so just training and training, there's there's no comparison to actually getting in there against an opponent who you, even if you watch tape, you don't really know what they're going to bring, and they're going to come at you 110%. Uh, so, so it's definitely a different feel from when you're going against training partners, when you have gear on, when you're not really trying to put them to sleep. <laughs> when you punch them, you just want to get good looks and feels. When you're in the cage, you're trying to kill each other. So it's definitely a different feel and a, and a much harder test. So I feel like the more often I do get those, uh, the more often I get to, like, uh, compete, the more often i'll get those tests and I'll learn what's actually working for me, what I need to improve on and uh, and yeah what, what's what I really need to fix in there so
0: when Claudia's yeah. original opponent withdrew from the fight I, I tagged you immediately, and here you are so uh, do you like having that reputation <laughs> as being the person the first person to call if uh, there's a straw weight that drops out of a fight
4: yeah you know I, I follow um, I follow all, all, all the news. Uh, the MMA news sites and whenever I see that a strawweight fell out, if I haven't gotten a call from a manager yet, I'll hit him up and just be like, hey, <laughs> get on that. And uh, and it's cool that I have this reputation now because usually the fights come to me. I don't have to go searching for the fight anymore. And I think that gives me uh, a lot more power when it comes to taking these short notice fights just because I know, okay, they came to me first or maybe they had someone else in mind and that person said no. I say yes. That makes me look like a badass, especially compared to the person who said no. So, um, so yeah, this has always been my ideal, uh, my ideal, uh, schedule. I always wanted to fight four or five times in a year. Uh, I don't, I'm lucky enough that I don't get hurt when I fight. I think just because of the way I fight and my movement, um, I, I don't take too much damage. I'm usually able to get back into the gym maybe a week or two after I fight and get back to training, get back to learning. So, yeah, it's, it, I feel like it's a waste of time if I'm in there learning, learning, learning for months and I don't get to book anything to get that test and show how much I've learned. So, yeah, I, I've always wanted that. And now that I'm getting it, I'm I'm happy with it. I'm super, super stoked. <laughs>
0: Well, it's been amazing watching your growth as a mixed martial artist from your time on tough to where you are now, and I look forward to continuing to watch that growth uh, this Saturday against Claudia Gadelha in the co-main event. Congrats on getting such a, a high slot on the card as well, and I really appreciate your time. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.